You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Batter Listeners, welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 84 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined by my co-host this week, Linda Surovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. We are also uh, joined by two very special guests today. We really have a treat for you guys today. Um, We have two board members from the International Women's Baseball Center on the show. Um, The IWBC is an organization that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and promoting all aspects of women's baseball. Um, Dr. Kat Williams is here. She is the president of IWBC. She, She teaches women's sports history at Marshall University and has authored numerous books and articles on women in baseball. Hello, Kat. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. We also have Dr. Leslie Heafy on the show today. Um, she is on the IWBC board. She is the VP at the Society for American Baseball Research and the author's uh, author of many uh, published works on uh, Negro League history, one of the best authorities on that out there. So welcome to the show, Leslie. Good to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so... Let's start off with how you both got interested in baseball. Were you fans of baseball uh, as kids, or did you come into it later in life? Uh, Leslie, we know that you're a Mets fan, and this is a Mets podcast, so that makes us especially happy to hear. Um, So yeah, how did you both get into baseball? Go ahead, Leslie. Being a Mets fan and all, you know. (laughs) So I did grow up in upstate New York, so that's how I come to be a Mets fan, but my dad was a huge baseball fan, aficionado, aficionado, played in college. And so growing up, um, I just used to watch and listen. We listened a lot to um, baseball on the radio because dad was a uh, huge Yankees fan. Um, and so we used to go everywhere and he always had his radio. So um, always grew up listening, hearing, watching um, and you, the usual question I get asked is then how did I end up being a Mets fan when dad was a Yankees fan? And the answer is very simple. Even as a little kid, <laughs> I thought George Steinbrenner was evil. And <laughs> I was like, I can't like that team because he, he just is an evil man. And so I didn't like the Yankees. I liked the Yankee players. I just didn't like him. Um, and so and that also meant we could watch and listen to more baseball in our house because the Yankees and the Mets were on different. And so that was also a good thing. And I also hate to admit it now because, you know, growing up, you think one thing. And then when you're an adult, you learn things about people that you don't you wish you didn't know. <laughs> so growing up, I was a Dave Kingman fan. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you get my point. But as a little kid, I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world because he could hit the most amazing home runs. And so when I was really little, I never, I didn't watch the games in their entirety. You know, he didn't, but dad would call me into the room every time Dave Kimmon came up to hit. So I'd come in to see him. And most of the time he struck out, you know, but, um, but then I rem- but the biggest thrill for me and really what was when he hit that ball up into the Houston Astrodome that got stuck mm-hmm. in the ceiling and never came yeah. down. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little kid and I'm like, where'd the ball go? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know where it went. And I didn't know you couldn't, that it got stuck in the ceiling at first. And so that's kind of, so I, unlike cat, I never really played. I mean, I did, a, I 
played catch with my brothers and sisters and stuff, but I was, I just liked the history and I love to watch and I love to be around. And so, so I've been a fan for as long as I can remember, but, and, and that's how, because mom was not a sports fan. Well, she's not, she was not born in this country, so she didn't understand baseball at all. <laughs> um, so it came from my dad. Yeah, trying to well, explain baseball to someone who was not born in this country, I didn't I realize. I didn't. Yeah. I never realized the true like how difficult of a task that is until my first year of grad school. I went to grad school at Johns Hopkins, and so they had special student nights um, at Oriole Park, and so at Camden Yards, and so the, like our very first, <laughs> our very first game, we went together as a cohort. One of like the, my cohort mates is from Chile, and so she just oh, has, wow. like, had like never seen a baseball game before. Well, and she so, was like, why are they standing on a hill? And I was like, oh, this is the level we're at now. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. So in, yeah. in grad school, we had a friend of ours who was from India, and we took her to a game at, in Detroit because I went to grad school in Toledo. And to, to your point, we're sitting, and a ball got hit into the outfield, and she got all excited. And then every hit after that, she's like, is the ball coming here? We're like, no, that doesn't happen. It's not going to land in your lap. <laughs> She's like, but I just, I'm like, yeah, that'll probably never happen the entire rest of the game. <laughs> well, that's funny. Well, I, um, uh, I grew up uh, much like Leslie in that um, there was a baseball game on the radio um, pretty much my whole childhood. I grew up and am still a diehard Cincinnati Reds fan. Um and, uh, you know, for me, a kid, I grew up uh, with, a, you know, was, we were pretty poor growing up. And um, also I had an undiagnosed learning disability until I was in my 20s. And so um, baseball was this thing that I could do and I understood and I loved it. And so we listened to it and I played. I played a lot. I was often uh, more often and then not the only girl um, playing in the street with, um, with neighbor boys. Um, and it was a place where I was good. Uh, I was a good ball player and I played shortstop. And um, for just a short period of time, you know, I wasn't that kid that was dumb and, you know, had the wrong clothes and the wrong lunchbox and, you know, all of that stuff. And so, you know, baseball was a, uh, a game that I dearly loved and still love, but it was also, it literally and figuratively saved my life. And um, so in terms of just being a fan, um, you know, I have loved the game for as long as I can remember. I tell my students, we got our first television when the Cincinnati Reds went to um, the playoffs and we got our first color television when they went back. And that's the God's honest truth. Um, and today, uh, every single day that the Reds play, I uh, talk to my father on the phone and we commiserate over the fact that they suck. Uh, but um, so, you know, baseball for me, uh, and it was not just my dad, it was also my mother. Um, I lost my mom about three years ago, but, uh, and she had dementia. But she, uh, there were a lot of things she couldn't remember, but I could ask her, mom, who played second base for the big red machine? Oh, Joel Morgan, uh, shortstop. Uh, oh, Davy Concepcion and, and Tony Perez played first base. And, you know, it, it was a big, big part of her life too. So um, it's in my blood. So, Dan, you sound a lot like us that, you know, you grew up with baseball and, you know, yeah, you put it perfectly that baseball is in your blood. Yeah. Um, so tell us, is that how, what led you to becoming involved with the IWBC and tell us about your respective areas of the scholarship and how they serve you there? Go ahead, Kat. Okay. Uh, well, um, this is a, uh, this is a story that, that, uh, uh, I've told now a, a million times, but um, it's true. Um, I had been um, a member of a, um, an associate member of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League Players Association for quite some time, since 2003, and gotten to know several of those women. And we had talked about the fact that there's no home for women's baseball. 
There's no museum. There's no Hall of Fame. There's no place where the women who played, umpired, coached, tended the fields, designed the stadium. No, there's no place for them. And we got tired of waiting. So on February 22nd, 2014, we sat around in um, uh, Seal Beach, California over pizza and beer. And we created the International Women's Baseball Center. And our primary goal was the uh, preservation and um, the, uh, the, the preservation of, of the, the long history of girls and women in baseball, but internationally. And this is important because base, women's baseball internationally is huge. It is huge. And women have always been part of the game. They did not start playing baseball in 1943, and they did not end in 1954. As important as the All-Americans are to that, to that timeline, that, that history, they are one tick on a very long timeline. And so we put our heads together, and by golly, here we are in, in 2000. 21 and um, we have property in Rockford, Illinois. We're about to purchase some more. Um, and, you know, we've done some pretty amazing things. And this was a group of people who sort of, you know, we'd never done this before. Um, but we are dedicated to not only preserving that history and providing a home for girls and women in baseball, but also um, we're dedicated to using that history. Those girls that are right there on that picture with me, um, those, those are the girls. That's why we do this. And you can't put history under a glass case and in an acid-free folder and expect anybody to care about it. You got to bring it out of the shadows and use it and show those girls they stand on the shoulders of greatness because they do. And, and that is our goal. Leslie, how'd you um, become involved in the organization and join CAT? Um, a few years, a couple of years after they got started, um, when CAT reached out to me and said, hey, we know you're busy, but do you want to join us? And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's literally what it was. I was like, yeah. sure, of course I do. And yeah, and been involved. Now she's since. really busy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, CAT hit it on the nose. It's it's. It's for all of us. It's about the idea that we need to educate people to understand that the history of baseball involves women at every level from the very beginning, and that's here in the United States internationally, but at all levels. And it, we're not newcomers to the game. We've been there from the very beginning, and that's what the International Women's Baseball Center does. And so, for me, it was a no-brainer to. And I was happy to be invited to join and 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 be a part of the group um, and help move this idea forward, which is to help find a place where women's baseball will live forever. That's awesome. Um, tell us a little bit more about the uh, work you do right now, um, you know, since starting and the work you do currently um, and, you know, the events you guys have and things like that um, to help promote the cause. Go ahead, Kat. Um, gosh, uh, how much time do you have, Allison? We, we have um, as much time as you are willing to give us. <laughs> um, you know, we... Um, and Leslie can add to this because she literally serves on just about every committee we have. Um, but we have, um, uh, we have hosted or co-hosted uh, girls tournaments. Uh, in fact, we hosted um, uh, the largest girls baseball tournament uh, in the world at Rockford, Illinois, a couple of years ago, that was baseball for all uh, national tournament. We had uh, around 400 girls were there playing playing baseball. Um, we co-sponsor along with Sabre, uh, the only women in baseball conference in the world. Uh, this will be our third year coming up. Leslie is, uh, is the chair of that. Um, and um, we do all kinds of events that are connected to um, 
uh, you know, local, when I say local, I'm talking about Rockford now, um, that local history, that local sports history. Uh, we, IWBC has something uh, that we call IWBC Reads, which is a, um, uh, in fact, it's been, it's fairly new, but it's been quite successful uh, where we, we basically have a book club. And um, so our goal, everything is centered around, I mean, obviously baseball, but it's centered around education. And so it, everything is about, you know, moving forward um, with this idea that girls have and women have always been there, but it's about educating people about what we've done in the past, but also what we can do in the future and what, what sports in general and baseball in particular can, can do to help build strong leaders, to, to make really good, honest, um, hardworking uh, people. That's what sports do. That's what men have always done, uh, have always learned in, in sports. And that's what we want girls to have an opportunity to do. So whenever we get a chance, whether it's a tournament, an activity, um, an, an, a big anniversary, um, we wrap it up in women's baseball and, and put the education bow on it. And, and so I think it would, you know, it would be really hard to, to talk about one in particular event. Although Leslie, you may have some examples um, that I, that I don't. Well, I was just going to add to it. I mean, you hit it on the nose. Our goal is, as always education. Our goal is to raise awareness because awareness brings opportunities. And as I always say, you know, we want to reach, we want to go past the the place where the, um, the, the person, the, the new person in is, is no longer an anomaly. They're no longer right. an exception because right. when you can see women's participation as the norm and not an exception, then we have arrived, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's when they're ex an exception, you can always continue to be on the outside looking in. And so trying to raise the awareness. So in addition to what Kat said, you know, we also, you know, the women's conference and, and the tournaments, but we also have a podcast that we've been doing now right. for almost a year. Um, we, we work with local events. We have sponsored a variety of other opportunities. We get involved. We have board members who speak on all kinds of occasions, whenever, whenever anybody asks, because that is our goal is to raise that level of awareness. Cause you know, it's, it's just making people realize that women belong in the game of baseball and have been there and they're, they're not asking for permission. Right. Just trying to get people to say, Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and for today's, you know, when we think about today and the future, it's to say it's not, it's connecting. We've talked about the idea of connecting the past, present and future, right? Right. Continuum. And it's not a, Oh, we're suddenly in the, no, we've always yeah. been. Here. And if <laughs> right. you don't know that, how do kids today go to their coach and say, but I'm not the first one. So you're not, you don't have to feel like you're breaking a barrier. There's, Plenty, and they need examples. You know, we all know the phrase, if you can see it, you can be it. Right. Yeah. And that's part of, I think, all the things we do are about that aspect of we right. need to show the girls of today and tomorrow and the young ladies and the women that they're not alone. They don't stand alone. They stand with a huge crowd and they stand on the shoulders of giants. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and even as Met fans, you know, Joan Payson was there from the yeah, beginning. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you well, know, she's, she's kind of forgotten. Well, she's so unique because, I, I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but. No, no, no. When you talk about women owners, she stands completely unique. You know why? She's the only female owner who never inherited yeah. Team yeah. or was given it by a husband, blah, blah, blah. Right. She did it outright herself. Yeah. That makes her stand. And so 
she deserves a place in yeah, the history sure that she does not get. Right. And I've written a lot about her for that exact reason, because it's so unique. Yeah. We the did. only other person who slightly qualifies is Effa Manley. Yeah. But even <laughs> yeah. she, it was because of her husband that she, they right. picked her at first and then she, then she blossomed. But, but Joan Payson stands pretty much alone in that respect. You mean so. we can't talk, we can't put um, my Reds Marge shot up there? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So do you I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. Yes, it was. It was a good one. It was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think like Joan Payson and Effa Manley were like, did they pave the way for others or? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you look at Effa Manley, you have to understand there's just, she's a, she's a, woman in the 1930s and 1940s entering a man's world, but also a world that was governed by race. Mm -hmm. yep. And she takes on a position that isn't just a ceremonial one, a, oh, I'm just here to, you know, no, she was the force behind that, the Newark Eagles. She's, mm -hmm. she ends up, Yes, her husband, Abe, is technically the secretary of the Negro Leagues, but she was actually the one doing all the work, and we have all the documentation to prove it. She used the Newark Eagles to show how you could be part of a community, how you could promote citizenship, mm -hmm. understanding. I mean, she really established so much of a presence that very few have done. And then Joan Payson comes along and here you have a woman who literally did not have to have her husband's permission, her husband's money, anybody else's say. She directed everyone to do what she wanted. It was her money. It was her team. It was, and those are important role models mm -hmm. and also important historical lessons for when we're talking about education, these are the kind of stories that have to be told mm -hmm. for people to understand that the typical way we look at both baseball history and then American history is, is incomplete without these stories. Mm -hmm. Yes. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. As we all know, the, the fight for representation of women in baseball is not just about playing on the field um, and, you know, as as breaking those barriers so to speak because more and more women are breaking into major league baseball in a variety of previously male-dominated roles as columnists and beat writers player agents front office employees you know Kim Ng we talked about her before we started recording um broadcasters and more um but but women remain the overwhelming minority in all of these fields um yeah. and you're probably aware of the recent sexual misconduct scandals uh surrounding like Jared Porter, Mickey Calloway, and now FP Santangelo, broadcaster for the Washington Nationals. Um, how can we create a more inclusive and welcoming environment in baseball for women that goes simply beyond just hiring more women? How can we actually change the culture? Well, you know, I, gosh, if I knew the answer to that, we'd, I'd be wealthy. We'd be, right? we'd, <laughs> we'd be building the IWBC center next week. 
Um, but, um, but, you know, I think it's a, there's not a one answer, right? I mean, um, it is about hiring more women, but it's about um, uh, making sure that we go all the way back and those girls that want to play baseball in Little League, those girls that want to continue to play baseball and not softball, they get to do that. Those girls um, that want to, uh, hey, you know, I, I, I don't really want to play, but I'd love to be an umpire. Okay, well, you go to umpire school. It has to start. You know, Leslie said it. If you can't see it, you can't be it. And, and you can't jump over all this early stuff and then start inserting women into Major League Baseball. Kim Ang is, I, I mean, that woman is phenomenal. She worked her tail off. She is smart. She is talented. And she should have been a GM a long time ago. Yep. But yes. she worked her rear end off to get there. And there are a lot of women who will now see, oh, wait, so my hard work isn't all for naught. So I don't, there's not one answer. And I mean, yeah, hiring more women, having more women in those roles and, and working with those teams. But it's also, it's got to be at the grassroots level. You know, we, we've got to be okay with girls playing baseball. What on earth is wrong with girls playing baseball? I mean, tell, I mean, trust me, I love softball. I played competitive fast pitch softball as a young adult. It's a fantastic game. It is not baseball. And if a girl wants to play baseball, then she darn well better get to play baseball. But but we have this thing in our country where, oh, well, no, you're a girl, softball, you have to play softball. Well, why? Softball was created by men for men so they could play inside during Chicago winters. There is nothing soft about that ball. I've been hitting the forehead with that ball, and I'm telling you, it's not soft. And so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's about all of that, but it's also about a cultural change. It's about saying we're here, we've always been here, and here's how we know that. Here's our history. But it is also about demanding your place and demanding that, um, yeah, I can be a GM, I can be an umpire, I can keep the stats, I can be a, a trainer, I can be any number of things. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's just, it's, um, it's multifaceted for sure. But visibility is a key. You yeah. have to see women in those positions. And then to, to just piggyback on that, it's the visibility brings the education. And the right. education shows that this is not new. This is not something that you're letting us do. Right. This is not something that you have to feel like you've lost something. And I think sometimes, sometimes it can help people when they think, oh, wait, this has been done before. So we're not that we don't have to feel like we're breaking ground. We're not going to take criticism. And so raising awareness that Mm -hmm. women's participation in baseball has been there from the beginning. And then to show, I mean, and and this sounds like we were, I'm saying we have to prove, and that's not what I mean. Some people may take it that way, but showing that women's participation has not only been there, but it has been impactful. Right. right, that it has made a difference and mm-hmm. that there are roles that they have played that are just as significant as anybody else's, mm-hmm. I think is important. And that helps to change a culture. So it's about educating everybody mm-hmm. and showing the men who are going to have that women aren't a threat. Women aren't going to take over. They just want to have the same opportunities, the same chances, the same, right? If they want to, great. And if they don't want to, great. But they should have that chance. And that, but I think to change the kind of culture you're talking about is, wow, if we could figure that out, we'd be, but but part of it is the kind of things we're talking, it's, it's not only bringing women into the picture, but showing that women have always been there. So it doesn't feel like quite this the same challenge 
mm-hmm. that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. That we're not, this is not new. We're not saying you have to be the one. It's already been done. Right. And it's not a zero-sum game either. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No. The elevation you know, of women would... is not a uh, is not is not to men's detriment. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And mm-hmm. I'd like to the the other the second part of your question was about the uh, sexual um, harassment or uh, sexual violence, um, and I, that's a different thing. And and um, and one of the things I'd like to say about that is. Um, and, and we're just talking about baseball now. I think you could say the same thing about football, basketball, hockey, whatever. But um, Major League Baseball has to stand up. Yes. It, there yes. is zero tolerance. Zero tolerance. Not zero tolerance and I'm going to beat my chest, but then back, you know, behind the scenes, I'm going to slap you on the back. No, no, none. And, and until Major League Baseball stands up and says, we will not tolerate that. That crap's going to keep happening. And, and, and the stronger we make girls and women and, and, and the more self-possessed and the more, the stronger they feel about their place um, in the game, the less that's, that's going to happen because, you know, it's, it's got major league baseball has got to take that on. Uh, and I would say the same thing about the NFL, the NBA, mm-hmm. I mean, all of them. Well, somebody has to take the lead. And if you're right. major baseball, you claim that you're the leader. You want to control yeah. all the different aspects of the game. Mm-hmm. So take control. Step right. up your part. Right. Yeah. Well, and like leader. the Ken Burns documentary, like he mentioned that baseball has always reflected kind of the culture of the United States. It's America's pastime. So you kind of do get that kind you like even around, you know, the United States right now there, you're seeing more and more women speaking up and, you know, yeah, right. um, it's not becoming the norm that, right. you know, guys will be guys or whatever. So yeah, right. hopefully baseball can, you know, take that and take the next step too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mickey Calway yeah. still has a job, listeners. It is yes. May 11th. He was yeah. he was suspended on February 2nd. It is May 11th. That investigation, we have heard nothing. He still has right. a job. This is your weekly right. reminder on this podcast. Yeah. Mickey Calway right. still has a job. Yeah. Well, that's, inexcusable. That's inexcusable. where Major Baseball has failed. Right. And it says, if you want to be the leader and you want to be who you say you are, then these are the kinds of things tough decisions you have to make and they shouldn't be tough. It should be a very easy, simple answer. No, this is not acceptable. Well, and I think that goes also to what you're saying is visibility helps. And then that helps build stronger girls. Um, So do you think we'll ever see a woman break through major league baseball as a player? Well, you know, I'd like to, it, I, I, I have a couple of ways of answering that. Um, first of all, um, my, my sort of uh, snarky uh, comment would, would be, uh, who cares? Um, I mean, <laughs> because I don't care. I, I really do not care. I am not, this is my life's work. And I am not spending my entire life making sure that this history is preserved and that girls and women can learn from it and, and, and that build on it so that one woman can stand out there on a major league baseball field that diminishes it all. That to me is too small. We are bigger than that. We are better than that. If a woman is good enough to play major league baseball, which the only way that's ever going to happen is maybe a junk ball pitcher. We are, we are not as strong, we're not as fast, we're not as powerful, um, but if she is strong enough and she is good enough to play, then she darn well better get a chance to try. But honestly, I could not care less if there's a woman in Major League Baseball. Um, I, th- I think there should be a women's professional baseball league, period. Mm, yes. Period. Um, we cannot compete with men. We can't. I mean... I played, God help me, only one season, but I played um, co-ed softball 
one season and nearly got killed about three times. I mean, and, and I, there is no way that girls and women can compete with men. I'm not talking about little girls. I mean, I'm not talking about kids. So, you know, part of me is like, yeah, I don't really care. Uh, but I will be the first one there celebrating if there is a woman out there on the pitcher's mound, um, if there's a, a you know, whatever. Uh, but what I will say is there is absolutely no excuse for there not being female umpires in Major League Baseball. Yes. None. Right. None. And so just to jump on what Kat said, I would agree wholeheartedly. It's it's not, because, again, should a woman be allowed major, and be in Major League Baseball? Absolutely. If that's if there's somebody that's 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 about opportunity. Right. That's saying. Mm -hmm. You have the same chance as anybody else. But the real issue is, why is there not a league? Right. Why are women not given this? And this would, and that goes back to the whole sort of zero-sum game, right? We're not trying to take away from. We're just simply asking for the same opportunities. And if basketball and others can do it, then why can't? After all, we still claim baseball as our national pastime. Right. Yeah. Even, yeah. I mean, in, yes, People can claim all they want about football's viewership and things. But even with that being said, baseball is still recognized as, and so there's a really interesting statement that's being made. What are you saying about our country and our, and our culture when you say this is the national pastime and there are people who are excluded from it? You are saying something about the larger American society and that is not acceptable. And so the idea of creating women's baseball leagues at all levels is absolutely what is necessary. And that doesn't preclude a woman making the major leagues. It no. just says that's not the be all and end all. Cause right. again, that's the exception. And as long as we're an exception, right. we can keep people out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People yes. love to talk about an exception when we're mm -hmm. no longer an exception. Right. Comes the norm. And yep. then you don't have to work it to prove that you deserve a chance. And so for me, it's all about no longer being the exception. Right. Yeah. And I, I absolutely refuse to call baseball America's game because it is, it is, it, it cannot be America's game when 50% of Americans can't play it. Yeah. Yep. Or participate in any other way. Exactly. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I never even thought about umpires and, you know, you, that was such a great point because they are behind. There have been female referees in basketball and in and football. football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what's the problem? You, you, all you need, you got to have eyes. You got to know the game. You, you know, this is not hard. One of the members of our board is Perry Barber. Perry Barber has been an umpire for what, Leslie, 40 years? Over 40 years. Wow. And, and she is instrumental in getting women in any way she can, getting women um, to become umpires, to, whether it's Little League or, or uh, she gets the umpires for the girls' tournaments that we sponsor. And we try to get as many female umpires as possible. And this is her life's work. You know, where are the women? Where are they? Why is this not happening? There is only one reason, and that's sexism. Absolutely. Because it's it's like, wait, they can't know the rules just like you can? Of course they can. Right. Of course yeah. they can. And they can call the game as well as anybody else. There's no, right. no, it's not a gender thing no. at all. It's just a matter of, do you love the game? Do you understand it? Have you put in the work? And if you've done right. all those things, then, and if you can put a referee, a female referee out on the football field. Yeah. Then, yeah. You have, I mean, hello, they can yeah. get, tackled, they can. So all of that, all the excuses go out the window right. and they've been around and, and then basketball even has had female referee even longer. Yeah. So there's no excuse at all, no. except None except the idea that baseball is a masculine. It's like, Oh my goodness gracious. No, it's not. Yeah. Given how terrible the umpiring has been in major league baseball. this year, I think we, should, we can use a new crop of umpires. We can use a fresh set of eyes on that field. Absolutely. You know, 
<laughs> I was watching a game the other day in the second baseman. Guy was running from first to second. The ball was hit to the second baseman, and he reached in the general direction of the runner. They showed this on replay 10 times. He was three feet away from the runner, and the guy called him out. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wear glasses, and I think maybe I could do a better job. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I just – I think about – when I think about the – um the like barriers or like the challenges that remain when we think about trying to get a women's professional baseball league akin to the, the WNBA in basketball, for example. Yeah, I think about um, because my other great love in addition to baseball is soccer, and that's the sport I grew up playing. Um, yeah. And like I was, you know, and, you know, I was a really damn good soccer player and I played co-ed soccer until I was like 16. Um and so 15, maybe. Um, and so I think about how, like, how successful the U.S. women have been on the international stage and yeah. how, how, how much they've drawn and their current challenges yeah. trying to get paid the same as men. But then the, the NWSL struggles struggles yeah. to stay afloat and I wonder right. I just wonder like what lessons baseball as we try to keep forming a women's professional baseball league as we keep struggling to to get that to you know be a viable thing like if if the soccer players struggle to do it what can we learn from them um as we try to get a viable women's league well you know I hate to say it but I think and I don't mean this in the, so please don't take this the wrong way the creation of softball was actually baseball's worst nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It has yep. become the, the be all and the answer to saying, well, there's, a, it becomes the excuse. Well, they can play softball. There's a, right. it's like, no, that's not, you're missing the point. But yeah. softball became in the 1930s and forties when they made that decision. Right. And it has been challenged and it's been upheld and, and challenged again. And that softball is the alternative and it's seen as an and it's like, no, I'm sorry, you're misunderstanding. Softball is a wonderful sport, but you cannot use it as the excuse. Right. And that's what we continue to do. Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. Baseball is a very different game. The similarity is there's a ball and there's a bat and there's four bases. Yeah. And then the similarity ends there, right? And so as long as we continue to use softball as the excuse and allow people to use that, that's our that's where and and so then the history wins out, which is baseball was a masculine game. And and when you look back in the 19th century, that's how it was portrayed, right? It was mm -hmm. and it was represented as this bastion of masculine, and it's like not, nah. and so that's what and no other sport ever ha has that history they just don't and because baseball was our first and so baseball captures that idea and consequently we constantly run a and softball becomes the scapegoat the the excuse right. every single time right and then yeah. people have to feel like you're oh i don't mean to down and we're not downgrading softball softball yeah. because it's a totally it, it's not it, it shouldn't even be in the same conversation right Right. Because it, it's not, we're talking about two different games. Well, and, you know, to add to what Leslie's saying, too, I, and, and first of all, let me just say, there is no bigger proponent of Title IX on the planet than me. But um, I think Title IX also added to this idea of softball as a, quote, equivalency mm. sport. Yeah. Um, you know, well, we got the men's baseball, so we'll have women's softball. And, you know, this is um, it. And so it, it's it, yes, yeah. it's, it's difficult because, you know, I get that a lot of schools don't have a lot of money. Right. I mean, you know, we're not talking about Alabama football here. Right. I mean, with that kind of money. So so we're talking about being able to, to offer sports on an equal basis, but it is absolutely unreasonable to create a quote equivalency sport when you don't need one. Right. Well, you know, we're not talking about mud wrestling, right? right? You know, we're, we're just, we're talking about baseball and women can play baseball. Well, and so Kat, to your point about title line, here's, I mean, in some ways, that is the most recent culprit, right? Because yeah. 
Pattern Line was created with this weird condition and people, schools mm -hmm. at every level could choose how they met the Title Line qualification. Yeah, right. And of course, they all chose the hardest one. That's right. Yeah. The hardest one is, of course, that you're supposed to have equal number of sports, right? right. Which allowed them to say, okay, women are the culprit. We have mm -hmm. to give up this sport in order to right. go it created artificially right. and us against them. Yeah. Title IX has four different ways you can meet their mm -hmm. expectations. And the actual least one that you should worry about, the hardest one, is the equal number of sports. And yet right. that's what almost every school chooses. Why? Right. Not because they have to, but because they want to. Mm -hmm. They want to create this us against them. So mm -hmm. when the wrestling team gets eliminated, they can say, it's yep. not our fault. Hmm. It's women's fault. And right. so it creates this artificial continued competition and women mm -hmm. become the scapegoat. Right. And, and, you know, with scapegoat, if you can eliminate them, then all is good. And so, unfortunately, most people interpret Title IX that way. And that's actually not the way Title IX works at all. And right. Title IX could be a huge benefit, but they've chosen most schools from the high school on up have chosen to make it the enemy so that they can create this artificial sense of competition. Yeah. Yeah. That, that happened at my, my school. I went to University of Delaware for undergrad. When I was there, the men's track team got delegated to club status and as did the right. men's ice hockey team. And Title IX was blamed for right. that. Um, yeah, it happened yeah. at Marshall as well, and that's yeah. not accurate. It's just not. Yeah, yeah. But nobody knows the actual rules, right? They don't know how to, and it's like, no, that's not the way it works. Yeah. Um. So we we can't help but take a moment on the podcast to ask Leslie how she feels about the Mets this year. Um, <laughs> as, as a Mets podcast, we have to have some Mets content in there, so. So excited, frustrated, <laughs> as all Mets fans are. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Every time we think we have all the pieces together, something happens. Yep. And yep. You can't build the Mets team currently without DeGrom. I, no. You just, and the most recent, it appears that it, he's going to be okay. But even him missing a start is like, oh. <gasps> And I, I don't know, I, the biggest issue with the Mets right now is they, as always, they look good on paper and then the reality <laughs> sets in. <laughs> the reality is right now, they can't hit. Like, no. They can't. They're losing one nothing. <laughs> and there's no excuse for that. Because, I know, I was just looking, sorry, I was looking at my phone because I was checking Stroman's um, and you're, you're like, wait a second. We, How many years now, as true Mets fans, can we say that almost every, even if you don't believe them, you, you know, you listen to them because you're, we live in eternal hope, right? Um, every prognosticator, sorry, says, oh, the Mets have the best, best pitching staff in Major League Baseball. The Mets have the best pitching staff. The Mets, And then they get hurt, and then they get traded, and then they get hurt, and then they get... And so that's, you know, and once again, we had, and maybe we will come June when Syndergaard comes back, hopefully, and Carrasco. Carrasco, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But Syndergaard's a maybe too, because, you know, Tommy John surgery is an iffy thing. Some come back on way better than before. And I, I still think, you know, until proven otherwise, our current strength of the team is, and the heart of the team is DeGrom. Yes. And if he's not there, uh, so hopefully this is, the current is just what they say it is. It's a short, let's give him a rest. Let's get him back 100%. And because even when he was hurt on his last start, he still pitched five innings and struck out six people. So, yep, yep, <laughs> yep. That's hard to argue with. But, the encouraging thing right now is Lindor finally seems to maybe be, maybe. 
He looks like himself, finally, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. And maybe maybe it's, I don't know how many, because we've all seen how many players come to New York, even with the Mets, not the Yankees, and struggle under the spotlight of the, and, you know, Lindor has never experienced that. And so maybe that's part of the reason why he hasn't really, so hopefully he looks like maybe he looks happy. And that's for Lindor. That's the key, right? He's always that. I mean, and he and McNeil finally seem to have worked out whatever their difference, the raccoon, otherwise, you know, (laughs) rats, raccoons, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Who can say? Rats, raccoons, and Donnie. We've got a whole weird, but if it works, we're okay with that. Cause that isn't that sort of the, the way the Mets play. Yes. It's their contrast to the Yankees. The Yankees are the straight laced, you know. Yeah. The Mets have always been a little odd and a little weird. And so. I like so to I'm, call it having personality. I agree. <laughs> yes, for sure. You know, you go back to the six, from 62 onward, we've got lots of personality in the Mets history. So we're hopeful, but isn't, that's the fun of baseball. You're always hopeful. Yes. Yes. You got to believe. Ah, (laughs) that was very good (laughs) um well now we've gotten the mets out of our system um how can our listeners support the work of the iwbc well um get out your checkbook um (laughs) add a whole lot of zeros Um, No, we uh, certainly have uh, a number of ways to donate. Uh, You can go to our website, internationalwomensbaseballcenter.org. We also sell a lot of uh, merchandise. We own a a small company called Sport Makeup, and uh, they do, they have an Etsy site. Um, We have a lot of that kind of uh, stuff, but Pay attention to um, uh, a capital campaign we're going to be unleashing before too long. Uh, we have started using hashtag a place of their own. Um, and so we're, we really want people to be involved, become a member of the IWBC. Um, join us in this, in this movement. And, and that's what it is. It's a movement. Um, and if, if folks are interested in volunteering, they can certainly reach out to us on the website. Um, you know, Leslie and I are only two of the really hardworking individuals who make up our board, uh, but we have an army of volunteers and we rely on all of them. And so we would like to um, first and foremost, invite everyone to join us. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that it, it's about time and money. Everybody thinks first money, and that's great. Yes, we, we, we won't say no to any of that, but it's also time it, yeah. because, you know, raising awareness is all about that. And so I would just encourage people if they have any interest at all in getting involved, even in the smallest way, or even just, just reach out. We mm-hmm. send us an email, go on our Facebook page, send us a message, go on Instagram, send us a message and say, Hey, I'd like to get involved and we will find a place for you. Yep. Always. Um, We will absolutely link um, the website um, in the show notes, as well as the tweets when we tweet out this episode tomorrow morning. Um, So be on the lookout for that, everybody. Um, But we will close the show this week like we do every week with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Kat, what is your walk-off win? Well... Uh, Wade Miley of my Cincinnati Reds pitched a no-hitter on Friday night. Oh, my goodness. Yes, he did. And that is the 17th no-hitter in the Reds history. And uh, this, was a, this was a guy that, you know, most people don't know. So it was pretty cool. Um, and I know that was last week, but I'm going with it. That absolutely works. I mean, that's... 16 more no-hitters than we have in our history. Yes, I know. That's why I was like, oh, God. <laughs> well, you know, one of our no-hitters was from somebody who was your guy. And I know. Yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie, what is your walk-off win? Well, so mine's not baseball-related this week because it just feels like 
it's the last week of our semester at school. Yeah. And I have to give a shout out to all our students who are graduating um, mm -hmm. because it's just a massive achievement for all of them in any, in any year it's a massive achievement, but given the yeah. crazy year and a half we've just had, I just applaud every single one of them. And I'm so happy for all. And I'm so graduation is Friday. And so I'm very excited to see them all and be able to celebrate with all of them because I just think it's been hard on us, but it's, in, we don't realize how hard it's been on them. Yeah, definitely. I was telling Kat before, um, we started recording that my, my boyfriend's a school teacher. And so he's definitely looking forward to, you know, seeing his kids, his seniors, he teaches high school seniors, seeing yeah. them graduate. Um, and you know, this, this, uh, year of virtual learning being over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's such a, it, I, I can't, I can't say how much I applaud them for what, how yeah. they have persevered. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, hat tips to all the students and all the teachers out there because it's been a tough year for everyone. Um, yeah. Linda, what is your walk-off win for this week? Uh, my walk-off win, um, was I finally made it to City Field for the first time since September of 2019 for a game on Saturday. Nice. And they won. It, I mean, I didn't have much hope going in since they were using Tommy Hunter as an opener. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so the game turned out a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um, but you know what? It didn't matter. Just seeing City Field again, taking in the sights, the sounds. Like Allison, we talked about this. Like just you know, really stopping to appreciate it. Um, it was you know, I was just. I probably had the biggest smile on my face that you couldn't see underneath the mask, but it was, it was perfect. I got the new polar bear burger, which was yeah. delicious. Wow. And um, yeah, it was just, you know, I was back in my element. It, it was like, you know, being in your home away from home and uh, yep. I end up already planning for when I can go back. So that's, that's my walk off win is going home basically. Yes, absolutely. I have tickets for, May 30th, and I am counting down the days. Oh, that's awesome. Good for that's you. Awesome. I'm counting down the days. I haven't been to a game since July 2019. Um, oh, it's yeah. too long. Way too long. And I mean, yeah. I live in, as as folks know, I live in Washington, D.C., so I'm even further from the Mets than most people. Uh, so it's it's like a, a an event for me to even get there in the first place. So I, I, I cannot wait. Um, so... My walk-off win is Mets-related this week. Um, I just want to shout out the bullpen um, because yes. they've been – the Mets' bullpen pitched to, I think it was a 1.54 ERA this week, yep. lowest wow. in the major leagues. Yep. Um, the Mets' bullpen has been incredibly good, and – I, I, they have made us all eat crow because I think on Amazing Avenue, we, when we wrote up like things we were most concerned about and things we were most excited about going into the season, I think we all universally said that the bullpen was the thing we were most concerned about. Um, we did. And it has been the area of least concern. Because we were supposed to be. <laughs> exactly. It was the right thing to be concerned about. Um, but it has been the area of least concern, as it turns out, um, because they've been rock solid from from the top down. From Edwin Diaz has been lights out. Trevor May has been lights out. Jerry's Familia looks like 2016 Jerry's Familia. And it's incredible to watch. And from and Tommy Hunter giving them two scoreless innings and then turning around the very next day and opening and giving two hitless innings. Just incredible. Sean Reed Foley comes out of absolutely nowhere and like looks like Craig Kimbrell like hawking on the mound. Like incredible stuff. The bullpen has been lights out and I'm just... I, Miguel Castro shout, shout out to Miguel Castro. He's been such a pleasant surprise this year. Just the bullpen and I'd like to give them a shout because they've been great. I mean, who, if, who knows if it will continue. Um, it might swing the other direction, but if it does, I hope that by the time it does, the, the bats will pick up a little more and it'll matter less. So um, I just want to shout out the Mets bullpen. Without them pitching absolutely out of their minds, the Mets would not be even remotely where they are. So because of the lack of hitting. So yep. my walk-off win for this week is dedicated to the Mets bullpen. Thank you, Mets bullpen. You've been great. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, if you're if you're ignoring the Mets right now, uh, which you know I wouldn't blame you because John Means shutting them out. But it's John Means; he's one of the best pitchers in 
in baseball. Um, you know, you can go to AmazingAvenue.com, check out all of our fan- fantastic content. We've got game recaps. We've got everything for you. Um, this podcast, all of our podcasts. Um, you can follow us on all of the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Amazing Avenue. Um, and you can rate and review the show, subscribe on your favorite podcast app of choice. It really helps people find the show. You can email us too, aa.apodoftheirown at gmail.com. You should check out IWBC. We will link their website uh, in the show notes, as I mentioned, and in the tweets. Um, The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.